Why do we not pray? What are the hindrances to prayer? These are not curious or trivial questions. They reach not only to the whole matter of our praying, but also to the whole matter of our religion. Religion is bound to decline when praying is hindered. That which hinders praying hinders religion. He who is too busy to pray will be too busy to live a holy life. Ponder that one for a moment. Other duties often become pressing and absorbing in crowd-out prayer. If an inquest can be secured on this dire spiritual calamity, the coroner's verdict, in many cases of dead praying, would be choked to death. This way of hindering prayer has become so natural, so easy, so innocent, that it comes on us without warning. If we will once allow our praying to be crowded out, it will always be crowded out. Remember that old pithy phrase here, parenthetically? Give the devil an inch, he takes a mile. No different with your prayer life. And Mr. Bounds brings that to the forefront. We continue, more than anything else, Satan wants us to let the grass grow on the path to our prayer chamber. A vacant chamber of prayer means that a believer has gone out of business religiously, or, what's worse, has made a change and is carrying out our religion in some other name than God's and to somebody else's glory. In the business of religion, God's glory is only secured when we practice that religion with a large capital of prayer. I'll pause that for just a moment. Makes me think. In my position as director of Bible Tracks Incorporated and general manager of Bible Truth Music, there's that juxtaposition of ministry and business. These two things sometimes don't gel together, but they have a lot more similarities than people think at times. In thinking of this idea of a large capital of prayer being required for the wheels of the machine of religion to continue on, and I don't mean religion as in some dead ritualistic type of thing, but think of it this way. Before a business is started, it often takes a lot of sweat equity, maybe takes a loan, takes an influx of capital from a bank or some investor, correct? Well, it's no different with God's work. Before a church is started, before a new bus route is founded, before a new venture for God spiritually is begun, how much prayer capital is invested. You see, friend, so often we get a few days, months, years into a new venture for the cause of Christ, and then we go begging. We've run out of our stockpile of prayer because we both refuse to invest the capital of prayer up front and secondly, have not made our daily and minute-by-minute deposits. Let's get back to Mr. Bounds. He says the apostles understood this when they declared that their time must not be employed in even the sacred duties of almsgiving. They must give of themselves, they said, continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word in Acts 6.4. Prayer was put first with them, and the ministry of the word derived its efficiency and life 
from prayer. If you believe we have an every word Bible, I'll pause here for just a moment and say, if you believe that, then there's a reason that continually to prayer is first. It was not a mistake. It was not a misspoken sentence here. Prayer came first. Let's finish with this. The process of hindering prayer by crowding it out is simple and goes in stages, one after the other. First, one hurries through prayer. Ever found yourself there? Unrest and agitation, which are fatal to all devout exercises, come in. Then, the time one spends at prayer is shortened, while one's inclination for the exercise dwindles. Then, prayer is crowded into a corner and depends on just fragments of time for its exercise. Its value depreciates. By this point, the duty has lost its importance completely. It no longer commands respect or brings any benefit. It has fallen out of esteem, out of the heart, out of the habits, out of the life. And Mr. Bounds concludes this paragraph, this thought with this. When one ceases to pray, he ceases to live spiritually. I was thinking as I read that sentence, unrest and agitation, which are fatal to all devout exercises, come in. Hmm. I wonder how I feel when I'm away from my phone for a little bit too long. I wonder if I can't check my notifications if what I feel could be considered unrest and agitation. I'm being blunt, I'm being transparent, but I'm being real. This is me. I don't know what your struggle is. I don't know which of these passages really spoke to you, and I know I've broken the flow by jumping in here and there, but seriously speaking, my friend, what comes first in your life? Everything but prayer? Forget crowding out prayer. We've forgotten it completely. It's not even on the to-do list. It's not on the agenda. It doesn't crack the top ten. And I'm speaking to myself once again, but I strive to change that. What about you? Is that your goal? I pray so. This is one of the longer podcasts of late. And I appreciate your willingness, your patience with me today. I feel like I get more and more ate up with this idea as we go along. I appreciate your listenership. I appreciate your friendship even through this audio medium of this podcast. These readings today were taken from chapter number 10 of E.M. Bounds's book, Purpose in Prayer. The title was this, Prayerless Praying. Let that not be said of your prayer life. I truly do pray that you have a great day for his glory. God bless.